welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for Intel forecasts and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. I sure appreciate you being with us today. This segment's brought to you by BOMI.org, B-O-M-I. Look, if you're looking for a trusted source for property management or facilities management education, BOMI.org, they're really the industry standard, B-O-M-I.org. Well, we have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about the top 10 issues affecting real estate. Now, this is an annual report and it's put out by the counselors of real estate. Now, this is a gr group of highly educated, very experienced commercial real estate people. And it's like a think tank. I mean, they really put their heads together and look at, hey, what's impacting real estate now and what might impact it long term. Please welcome my guest is Joe Nahas and Joe is Senior VP with Equus Partners and he's joining us on Skype. Joe, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you, Michael. I'm happy to be here today. Well, Joe, this is a great report and uh, we've been doing this year after year and people really look forward to to uh, hearing about it and uh, watching this video as well. And this year you guys divided it up, right? Instead of the top 10 and uh, it's really the top five in the current issues. And then it's the top five in really more of the long-term issues, right? Uh, that's correct. We, uh, it's new for us this year, uh, likely to maybe continue in future years, but it really was a result of uh, this notion that there were a number of things that our uh, clients are telling us are things that they're thinking about today that'll have an impact today and other things they are thinking about today that you know might take a three five seven year period to have an impact because as we know you know real estate itself it does have a long-term nature to it yeah. and not everything uh, is an immediate impact so yeah. we split it in that way yeah that's great so let's start with the current issues of the top five and let's start with number five and it's e-commerce and logistics so uh, what should we think about there, Joe? Sure. Well, you know, we all know uh, and hear, uh, read a lot about this idea that uh, you know, uh, technology and uh, things going on in that space are very disruptive today to uh, the retail space. Um, but what, what's, what's happening further is we're seeing that the retail space is starting to merge into the warehouse and industrial space in terms of how the physical real estate's being used and how people are actually buying things today. Um, you know, the, uh, the idea of getting in a car and driving to the supermarket and, uh, and then uh, stopping into the drugstore and then uh, popping into the card store, uh, I think is becoming uh, uh, an, uh, extinct. Um, um, and we're seeing more often folks are spending time ordering online, uh, shopping in a store and having it delivered to their home. And that's having impact for developers of space uh, in terms of how they handle inventory, uh, logistics and, and so on. And so those are some of the things that we're seeing uh, impacted uh, on the e-commerce and retail front. Yeah, and it's really disrupted a lot of retailers. but. Retails, uh, a lot of times, is very good real estate, if you will. So it also provides maybe some opportunities for redevelopment and, and maybe change in use, right? Well, it does. Um, in fact, what, what we've seen is that if you have a center that's you know well located in a good market, uh, and you can provide an experience more than just a again, place to park your car and pick up your groceries, uh, you probably have an opportunity ahead of you. And, and so we see the space itself morphing into something different. Yeah. 
And you mentioned logistics is part of number five. And it seems like uh, a lot of people are trying to get us consumers trying to deliver to us fast, right? Same day or really fast. So that becomes, is that an opportunity? Is that a challenge? What's the impact there for logistics as kind of that last mile mentality? Sure. Well, the, you know, the logistics aspect of it is not only that, you know, end of the delivery phase and how it gets kind of from the, you know, the retailer into the consumer's hand, but it also relates to how the product is getting from the manufacturing distributor uh, to the retailer. And uh, so we've seen uh, an impact on marketplaces, particularly in the Southeast, as a result of the Panama Canal expansion uh, and uh, port developments in towns like uh, Charleston and Savannah and, and some uh, Texas ports. Um, and because there's such a strong intermodal uh, area down there, we see that the Southeast is really becoming a huge beneficiary logistics-wise uh, in the space, um, more so than the, the, the Northeast, more so than even some Midwest locations, although there are some exceptions. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's really interesting. I'm down here. My headquarters is in Atlanta, and we do commercial real estate brokers in the Southeast, and we're certainly seeing uh, a lot of uh, benefit in the industrial world uh, from that growth in logistics down here. So let's go to number four. It's generational change and demographics. What should we think about there? Yeah, so uh, again, probably not a surprise that this shows up on the list. Um, we, we hear a lot about the baby boomer generation. Uh, we hear a lot about the millennials, uh, their generation, when we know now that their headcount has actually exceeded. Uh, the boomer generation. Um, the impact is really the following. Developers, owners, investors actually need to think, they've been used to thinking a lot about the boomer generation in their decisions, design decisions, locational decisions, amenity decisions. And now they have this new generation uh, of, of 75, 80 million plus um, that are moving into the decision-making time of uh, the real estate decision-making time of their lives in terms of purchasing properties, uh, starting businesses, renting space. And they have different tastes and preferences uh, than their parents. Um, and so developers now have to think about two audiences uh, more so than they have had to in the past. Yeah, that's right, because it used to be the baby boomers were the big group, right? And they're kind of losing their power, uh, unless maybe you're in senior housing or healthcare. That's correct. Yes. I mean, they still have a, a, something to say about certain aspects of it. But, you know, if you're a young company starting out, your, your office space looks different than the office space your father worked in. And so, you know, tenant demand looks different uh, on the commercial side um, for, the boot, for the millennials than, say, uh, as you point out in your example, Michael, uh, than what a, uh, an occupant of a senior living might look like. Right. We're going over the top 10 issues affecting real estate uh, with CRE counselors. And uh, we're now on current issues uh, five through one. And now we're at number three. And I think this is a real big one. Uh, housing affordability. Housing affordability is a big one. Uh, it's, and it's, it's related in a, a couple areas to some of the others uh, that we'll talk about in a moment, numbers uh, two and one. But essentially, what we suggest about housing affordability is that um, it's, it's an economic problem um, that can be solved, uh, and I don't want to oversimplify it, 
but uh, with supply and demand features. So for example, we know that um, at, at any given price, if you increase the supply, uh, excuse me, at any given level of demand, if you increase the supply, you lower the price. And so this notion of affordability um, is an economic problem because we have a challenge with providing supply of affordable housing. And that is often a function of the fact that it is local governments and administrations and planning boards and so on who make these decisions about uh, adding supply to their communities. And it's often, often a political hot button when it comes to things like density um, and design and so on. And so we think that unfortunately the politics might be getting in the way uh, of having truly uh, affordable housing solutions. Yeah, I mean, it's a really big deal. I mean, if you're thinking about where to put your headquarters, uh, you've got to really look at uh, housing affordability. And, the, and you look at some of these apartment projects today, uh, especially these urban markets, you've got to be making really six figures to really afford to, to rent a one bedroom. Well, we could both sat, uh, recite the list of uh, cities that that would fall into, uh, you know, San Francisco. Um, you made reference to the, uh, the affordable housing being part of site selection. We know that that's a big part of Amazon H2Q site uh, selection criteria is finding uh, housing that is affordable. So, um, so yeah, th there, there are challenges with that. And un unfortunately, our view on, from the counselor's perspective has been it's been unfortunately too often tried to be solved from the political perspective as opposed to the economic perspective. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting report you guys put out because, you know, commercial real estate, you're buying the future, you're investing in the future, and you really want to think about what's really impacting the economy and commercial real estate uh, moving forward. And down to number two, we have politics and political uncertainty. Uh, I guess you're not surprised this is on the list, right, Michael? Uh, actually, this was number one last year, uh, so it has, it's, it slipped a, a, a ranking, um, but uh, I suspect few would be surprised that it's, a, that it's going to be a, a hot button. Um, you know, you think about uh, Korea recently, the summit, you think about tariffs and what's going on in, uh, in, 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 even in the press today as we speak. Um, uh, the midterm elections, which are coming up in November, all of these things uh, have an impact on what uh, developers would be thinking about relative to their plans, what investors might be thinking about relative to their plans. Uh, because again, real estate's local, politics are local. Uh, and so uh, even though it's a national issue, um, you know, from, uh, from uh, the, our uh, government administration, the executive in Congress, um, it's also a local issue, and uh, we see some some uh, some uh, risks associated with the political uh, front at this point. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's a risk, uh, and there's also some maybe some positive things going on uh, with the political environment. And uh, what do you guys think about the tax cuts and the impact there on commercial real estate? Well, the early indications are that uh, it's helping the consumer, uh, and it's it's likely to be helping uh, GDP out uh, at, uh, from the, from the economic perspective. Um, the, uh, the the flip side of that, quite honestly, is it's unclear as to what it's going to do to uh, residential housing and the impact that the uh, uh, limitations on uh, deductibility of property taxes and interest mortgage levels are going to have. So, uh, so the jury's still a little bit out on the full effect of the tax cuts, but the early indications are that the tax cuts are positive on the consumption front. 
And how about tariffs? How big are tariffs and what's the impact there? Well, the tariffs uh, have a direct implication to the uh, the cost of production of, of real estate uh, projects. So it's going to make its way into commodity prices like steel and lumber and so on. And, uh, and when we're hearing, people are already uh, feeling those effects. Uh, so the bigger question is not will it be, but how long uh, of a duration could that uh, have an impact for? Yeah, it's interesting to see what's, what's short term and what's long term there. All right, we're down to number one, and that is interest rates and the economy. Well, probably again, no surprise that this would uh, would rank high on the list. Uh, I, you know, I, I made this presentation uh, uh, last week to the National Association of Real Estate Editors on the day that the Fed raised rates <laughs> another quarter percent. So my, uh, I, I wish I could tell you my timing had anything to do with that, but it was purely coincidental. Um, but the reality is uh, borrowing costs for developers are going up. Borrowing costs for consumers are going up. Um, the question uh, that's still to be uh, determined uh, is what impact is this raising of shorter term rates going to have on longer term rates? Because at some point, if we find ourselves looking at a inverted yield curve where longer term rates uh, are actually lower than shorter term rates, we know that that has been the strongest and most accurate uh, predictor of a recession. And uh, if we begin to see that later this year into 19, as some suggest we could, uh, that would suggest we might be looking at a recession in 19 or 2020. Yeah, I'd like to be in the room when you guys are sitting around and you're talking about this economy and the tax rates and the, and the governmental impact when you get to talking about the cycle, right? It's been uh, we're a little long in the tooth here. It's the second longest great cycle that we've ever had. What do you guys think about how long the good times are going to last? Well, you know, that's uh, in our business uh, uh, specifically, that's probably the question I'm asked most often by our clients, which is how much longer do you think this is going to last and how much is it going to hurt <laughs> when, it comes, right. when it comes apart? Right. And uh, of course, we, we it's hard to say. Uh, we don't see anything from a fundamentals perspective that suggests there's a high risk uh, of it, uh, you know, kind of the wheels falling off the bus, so to speak. Um, but uh, if you put together a number of these things we've just been talking about, the political uncertainty, uh, the interest rates, the uh, uh, the changes in the demographics and so on, and you start to you package it, those things in the aggregate uh, could uh, start to see a shorter timeline uh, on our on what has been this long expansion. Uh, and, and I think most economists, and, and we have a number of them who are counselors, uh, would suggest that something over the next 18 months is likely to give uh, and we'll see some slowdown. Okay. And you, you talked about rising interest rates. We all are thinking about timing the market and when's the best time to sell and, and, and maybe if we're building or developing now, uh, what's our exit cap rate as we're planning? So what would you guys say if I'm in the room with you guys and I'm saying, all right, two years, let's fast forward two years based on what you know today. In two years, what do you think this rise in interest rates and the economy would do to cap rates? So if I have a six cap rate property today, what might I want to think about two years from now? 
Sure. Well, if you're if your borrowing costs are going up um, uh, and all other things being equal, meaning you don't have any excessive inflation or inability to uh, to raise your rents uh, or, or uh, reduce your expenses, so your NOI is not going to change uh, much beyond uh, normal inflationary impacts. Uh, I think the the likelihood is that your your cap rates will uh, certainly stop falling and settle and may begin to rise as well. Um, it's probably not going to be as uh, dramatic as we've seen the number of interest rate rises recently and perhaps two or more to come. Um, but uh, I think it's hard pressed to make the case that cap rates will continue to fall. Uh, it's just a question at what point do they level out and begin to turn upward? Yeah. And we're seeing some level now, and we're seeing in single tenant net lease where we're experiencing some rising cap rates. So, you know, what would you guess a cap rate might be two years from now? Um, should we expect a change, or are you thinking it might be flat for two years? Uh, I, no, I could see it moving, but it's probably moving in the 25 basis point, uh, 50 basis point range. And I, I don't see the, you know, the fives becoming, you know, north of six all of a sudden in the, in the next, uh, you know, less than 24 months. Okay. Uh, but I could see fives becoming five and a half, five and three quarters. Sure, in in 18 months, uh, I could see that. In again, it depends upon your, the space. I'd be less. Uh, certain on that on the multifamily front, where I think just the tightness of the markets and the amount of capital that's out there, uh, the, that might lag. The, the turnaround in cap rates there could lag uh, some of the other space. Yeah, yeah, it always uh, depends on the class of property, the asset, and, and right the location. Well, all right, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, I'm going to ask Joe about the longer-term issues impacting real estate. They have a top five there, so stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like access to invest in institutional-quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Apto. If you're a commercial real estate broker, you really need to check out apto.com. Well, today we're talking about the top 10 issues affecting real estate. And this is a report that's put out annually, annually by the counselors of real estate. And, you know, I think this is so important because in commercial real estate, we are always trying to predict the future. 
do we hold, do we buy, do we develop, do we, you know, what do we, do we put capex, do we refinance, you know, we always want to look at the future. Well, we looked at the current issues, the top five, this year they divided into current issues, five issues, and then the longer term issues, which can be very important for commercial real estate. My guest is Joe Nahas, he's Senior VP with Equus Partners, and he's joining us on Skype. Joe, thanks for being with us again. Uh, you're welcome, Michael. So, yeah, so let's talk about the longer-term issues impacting real estate, uh, and and uh, beyond to, and 2018, 2019, and then and beyond, right into the, into the far <laughs> reaches of time. So, no, we're going to go countdown backwards. We're going to start with number five. The number five is energy and water. What should we think about? So, energy and water, and and, and this probably gives you one of, uh, as we'll hear uh, this theme on a few of these issues coming up, uh, the, the real rationale between splitting the list. Um, you know, development projects in particular, and even investments, you know, as we said earlier, have a little long-term in nature in, in the real estate space. And if you're doing a development, you know, you're making decisions today uh, that have implications, you know, two, three years out, you know, permits, approvals, uh, variances, uh, before I even get to construction. Um, so this topic of energy and water is one which we felt uh, and our clients were telling us was important because it's one thing to say, well, what's the state of those matters today in a market that I'm working in? But when I bring my product to market or bring my project to its construction phase, could there be a different outcome? You know, for example, you know, the cost of uh, providing energy from a solar sp perspective today versus what it might be in three, five, seven years, uh, indications are that cost is going to be falling. And so my design is implicated, uh, impacted by that. I might look at a different design component uh, if I think a little bit longer term. Similarly with, uh, with water, uh, you know, am I in regions that have shortages? Uh, you know, we hear a lot about the state of California and, uh, you know, my ability to service my projects. And that'd be a little bit more on the residential front, uh, but it would also impact commercial as well. So I need to think a little bit further out what's going on in that space if I'm developing a project. Yeah, that's a good point and, and a really big point today with the changes in sustainability. Everyone wants to save cost. And, and you talk about solar, I mean, that may be a great way uh, to reduce costs. And, and, then, and then energy, I guess you have to include uh, petro, right? Gasoline, are we gonna be using less of it? How's that impacting uh, commercial real estate? Well, that's correct. And, and we know that uh, the whole sustainability area uh, is here to stay. Um, you know, developers, investors acknowledge the importance of it in, in projects. And so, you know, the, the, the features, the advantages of managing energy, managing water uh, and delivering a product uh, that's sustainable uh, has to be taken into consideration as well. Yeah, I mean, I go in a lot of buildings, uh, large office buildings and things that uh, that are nice, pretty new buildings that we're selling. And, and you see a lot of these buildings that don't have LED lighting and they have, there's a lot of features that, there's a lot of things that we can do in commercial real estate that we've, we've yet to do in that area, right? Uh, that's correct. I mean, energy management systems, you mentioned lighting, uh, there's you know systems for the restrooms. Uh, th th there's quite a bit 
uh, that can be done. Uh, and, and most developers today, as I said, have recognized that if they're doing projects that are new, um, they're looking for certifications that take into account um, use of those types of, uh, of, of systems, uh, use of materials that they get credits for, re-adaptive re use uh, as well. Uh, just by case in point, we just built our own company headquarters, uh, which I'm speaking to you from, uh, and we were able to use quite a few materials from another project we had developed uh, and uh, uh, as part of this new construction project. Uh, and uh, a lot of efficiency and benefits to us doing that. Yeah, I think it's so important. I think a lot of companies, when they're picking space for their company, their office or other facility, uh, you know, it's real important about sustainability uh, and cost and, uh, and wellness. Uh, I think that's a big one. Let's go to number four, which is really on the minds of people today. That's <laughs> immigration. Uh, this is certainly uh, in the press uh, day in and day out. And, and this, of course, uh, Michael, uh, reflects back to the number two issue we had on the current issues, is, which is the political uncertainty. And, um, and so, as I said early on, there, there's some connections among a number of these. But in the immigration front, the, the challenge here is so much of the growth of the uh, U.S. economy uh, has been immigration-based. It's, it's uh, a source of demand for housing. Uh, and perhaps initially multifamily, but ultimately single family. And it's a source of, of labor, uh, both skilled and unskilled workers. Uh, it's new businesses forming. And if you have an uncertain, confusing, controversial, pick your definition or your adjective uh, for or your immigration policy, it's going to create uncertainty uh, for folks who are in the real estate space. Uh, uncertainty as to, uh, particularly on the demand side, uh, for tenants, uh, but also on the supply side for workers. Uh, and so that's why we felt this was a very important uh, consideration on our list. Yeah, I think it's a real big one, and we're certainly seeing that affecting a lot of commercial real estate sectors because of the rising salaries, the lack of labor. You think of uh, what are some of the sectors you think would be most impacted? Well, you know, certainly uh, construction uh, of uh, homes and, and multifamily, as we know, uh, we have been on a boom of multifamily construction, uh, particularly in major cities and urban areas. Um, but wherever there are construction projects, uh, we know that that labor uh, is important. But but then there's the there's the labor uh, throughout, um, you know, uh, small town America. Uh, as well, which has been a, a large percentage of immigrant population uh, has chosen to work in those fields. And um, uh, that's been, uh, it's created this challenge as we see as to uh, an uncertain policy and uh, um, on immigration is going to create more uncertainty for real estate folks. Yeah, I agree. It, uh, you look at uh, sectors like hospitality um, and you know they're really impacted by this. Well, let's go to number three: natural natural disasters and climate change. Yeah. So uh, you know, a lot of again in the press lately with um, uh, hurricanes um, and floods, uh, rising sea levels, uh, and then more recently, of course, you know, volcanic activity. Um, these are, these are issues that, again, from a real estate perspective, we view as long-term uh, because, one, they're unpredictable. 
But on the other hand, they are here for, to stay. Uh, we know that we're going to be dealing with these. Uh, but then there's a sensitivity geographically. So it's it's one thing if you're looking to do waterfront development in Miami uh, or Boston or uh, some port cities, uh, you know, on the East Coast. It's another thing if you're looking to do things, in, you know, in the Midwest inland. Um, but in any case. If you want to be an owner, investor, developer, uh, or participate in those activities, there are these types of disasters and the impacts of climate change which are going to play into your, your decision making. Yeah, good point. And, and we have to try to predict where we might have increases or decreases in income. And the same with expenses. And one of those expense items uh, is insurance, right? Well, it is, and, and these are driving costs. It's it's and it's not only the cost of the insurance, but it's the ability to get it. Right. Uh, so you you have to really look at both of those factors: is can I get it, and if I can, how much is it going to cost me? Right, right. All right, let's go to number two. Also, another really big one: disruptive technology. Yes, uh, I think this uh, this might have been number two overall on last year's full list uh, behind the uh, political uncertainty, if I recall. But uh, again, not surprising that you would see this on our list. Uh, it's been there for a few years. I suspect it will be around for, for a bit as well. Um, you know, we all are fully aware of uh, all of the technologies that are coming about, uh, which have uh, the ability to disrupt the real estate space. We talked a little earlier about uh, the, the whole e-commerce that was uh, affecting retail uh, and logistics. Uh, we now have the uh, the beginning of the autonomous car uh, industry, the drone uh, impact. Uh, essentially, what we see happening is there are these technologies which are going to, over a, a longer term, uh, again, impact uh, real estate. So by way of an example, if I may, um, you know, if you were to go out and buy a commercial office building today or develop a commercial office building today, um, you have to deal with parking. Um, and you would ask yourself, well, I need a parking garage or I need a parking field, but what in a world of driverless cars am I going to need? And uh, what's the implications of that decision? Well, the, the obvious one is I might want to be sure I've considered an alternative use for the portions, if not all of that garage space over the long term as a result of the disruptive technology of driverless cars. So these are the types of things that, again, it's it's on the list, but it's a little longer term in nature because we know driverless cars aren't going to show up in our communities tomorrow, but they're going to show up uh, in, in a, any reasonable person's holding period for a real estate project. Yeah, uh, that certainly makes sense. What? How should we think about blockchain when we're making decisions in commercial real estate today? What might be the impact there? Well, I, you know, we list blockchain as kind of a game changer, if you will, and, and it's a it's a uh, an area that's starting to impact real estate. It's kind of getting its legs about it. It's going to be uh, at least initially a disintermediary. We believe it has the ability to have transactional impact. Uh, with re with respect to you know bringing buyers and sellers together, it has the ability to have uh, impact on property records and how data is stored and shared. Um, so uh, things which will probably lower costs, create more efficiencies. Um, but it's it's early in the game. But I, I we're being told that the game is moving quickly, and so it's something that needs to be paid attention to. Yeah. Another item you have in your report on, under disruptive technology um, is the potential of buildings 
to become obsolete faster. And as fast as technology is changing, you know, what we should we think about there? Sure. Well, you know, again, you know, a lot of real estate folks think in terms of vintages. You know, if I buy a, a you know, a project, is it a, a 10-year-old vintage, a 20-year-old vintage? And, and those vintages help us define, you know, how we might cre add some value or create value by making adjustments to the, to the real estate. You know, if I'm in the residential space, it might be a vintage that's, you know, ready for new kitchens and baths, uh, you know, because it's uh, 10, 15, 20 years old. Um, but technology is is also an enhancement that needs to take be taken into consideration uh, in not only the multifamily space but also in the uh, in the commercial space. And so you know these older buildings run the risk of some obsolescence if you're unable to or in some cases unwilling to can't justify for some reason uh, enhance these buildings from a technology aspect. The example being the the, the garage case I gave you. Um, another uh, might be, uh, in the case of multifamily, um, you know, wireless connectivity, not just in the unit, but throughout the community. Uh, and so those types of things are what tenants are going to demand uh, in the space, and, and folks, uh, owners, uh, operators need to be prepared to offer that. Yeah, and I think it brings up some difficult decisions when we think about, well, how much technology should you build into your, your new project or your renovation project? I was in a new project the other day as a as or recently as a customer is putting my helping my mother pick out a new uh, senior housing uh, property for herself brand new very nice but I was really disappointed with the lack of technology well that, that's that's uh, kind of first-hand experience and I'm sure you're not alone again depending upon the dimensions of a product like that but I would tell you uh, owners and developers not willing to uh, acknowledge that, make those changes, uh, build that into their plans uh, are likely to, uh, to see values deteriorate. Um, that's not going to be a product that's going to be a desirable investment product over the long term. Yeah, I think you've got to really be careful with that. Well, we're down to number one on the long term issues affecting real estate and that's infrastructure. Yeah, infrastructure, which is obviously a, a, a very large, broad category. Uh, one of the ways we're looking at it is this notion that um, a significant amount of private capital has actually been raised uh, in recent years uh, prepared to invest in uh, the infrastructure space. Uh, they see attractive uh, uh, risk-adjusted return opportunities, uh, but there's a significant portion of that capital uh, sitting on the sidelines because um, of the lack of projects that are available in which to invest. So, for example, um, and, and I think that's a result, again, back to our political uncertainty over on our short-term list, you know, we have, uh, you know, politics getting in the way of um, uh, our, our lawmakers, be they at the federal, state, or even local levels, to truly get behind projects uh, that the market knows are necessary, whether it's roads and bridges, whether it's airport expansions, you know, you could you could develop a night, you know, energy and water uh, facilities. Um, so here you have a significant amount of private capital willing, but not a number of public projects. And these things are often done in public-private partnerships. And so we have a disconnect. And we think it's a significant one for one very kind of somewhat obvious but basic reason, which is there's no good outcome to this. The longer this scenario exists and these projects are delayed, well, the infrastructure isn't getting better by t the passage of time, it's getting worse. 
So you, you really need to deal with these issues now, sooner rather than later, and look at them as investments. Yeah, and I think our audience realizes uh, the extreme importance of infrastructure, but I think we wonder, is there really the labor to do it and the funding? Well, we, we heard a lot about that in, uh, in past years about, you know, shovel-ready type projects. So um, that, that is a big question uh, that ties a little bit to the, the discussion we had about availability of labor. Um, I think the funding on the private side is the least of the concerns. Um, the question is, would there be public funding available? And right now, uh, government agents are telling you, telling us that they don't have uh, the stomach, if you will, to uh, to put forth significant spending projects. Um, I suspect that um, the labor would fall into place um, if you had projects, um, if you had the right wage levels. Uh, the right benefits plans and so on. You know, folks will folks will go to where um, they can maximize their labor output uh, and their income. So I suspect that problem would resolve itself uh, over time if you had projects to work with. Yeah. Well, let's get the projects going. Well, um, <laughs> Joe, after you go through these top ten, you went through this whole procedure. You've presented this uh, at the NAR conference and here. When you look at this overall after going through it, what would be your, what would you leave the audience with that, that kind of struck you? Well, I, I guess what I would say, Michael, is, you know, you, you can't look at any one of these in its own uh, kind of myopic way. Uh, even though it's a list of 10, and it's a list of 10, you know, separate and distinct issues, as I made a reference to on a few occasions, they are related. Uh, and so sometimes if you begin to kind of, uh, you know, resolve or come up with solutions for one, you might find that those are some solutions that work on others. Um, and so, uh, but the point is, we need, we need uh, folks to look at these and consider them if they're in the real estate space, whether they're an owner, uh, a developer, or an investor. Um, or at a minimum, they need to factor them into their risk assessment uh, of the projects that they're undertaking. Yeah, very important. Well said and great information, Joe. Thanks for joining us today. You're quite welcome, Michael. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great information, Top 10. We'll have a copy, uh, a link to the actual report at commercialrealestateshow.com. So look for that there. And thank you to the counselors of real estate and, uh, and Alice for your leadership there and, and all the CRE counselors that uh, we've had on the show from time to time. Great information. And thank you for being with us. Uh, let us know your comments. Uh, share your comments and, uh, and uh, on social media and on the show website. And then join us next week. We'll have another great show for you. And until then, be sure you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Invest alongside real estate experts, sponsors who have a successful track record and skin in the game. It's as easy as one, two, three. Learn about the deals, make your investment, and grow your financial wealth. Visit arborcrowd.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. 
promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, CREshow.com.